Ah, persnickety. Sounds like there's a ghost in here. You guys, see, you guys hear that ghost? I gotta find out once and for all. I'm gonna pull out this Ghost Vision Viewer app that I got on iTunes that Andrew Main made. You know, it's got a radar that maps out points in space, tells you of a highly improbable and potentially paranormal event taking place, an imager, a word generator, a PK detector, an arrow, and a yes or no. Yeah, that way ghosts can tell me yes or no. Give me advice on my life. You know, there's no credible evidence that the paranormal has ever existed, but you can be the first. You'll be armed to the teeth with the Andrew Main Ghost Vision Viewer. Find it on the iTunes store or go to andrewmain.com slash ghostvision to see a demo. Bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm Andrew Main, and joined, as per usual, my partners in crime, Mr. Brian Brushwood. Hello. That was longer than you thought I'd say hello, wasn't it? Yes, Mr. Justin Robert Young. Hi, everybody. That's how you do an introduction, Brian. Yeah, in your face, jerk. Wait, hold up. First round goes. No, stop, Brian, before we proceed. Yes. Justin and myself owe you an apology, Brian. Oh, begrudgingly. 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 Be- uh, no, I, I know begrudging about it. I may go a little bit melodramatic to the point that Brian kind of feels this might be a Special Olympics trophy of an apology. But still, Brian, on a previous podcast, you may remember <laughs> when we talked about. Oh, I know pi- what this is about. When the fighter pilot got lost, <laughs> walked out of the forest. Yeah. Found civilization, and speculation was rampant that perhaps, as Brian tried to imply that he sold his plane in Tijuana or something. You're talking about driver Brushwood, right? Yes. Brian made a comment about driving an airplane, (laughs) and my colleague, Mr. Justin Robert Young, jumped all over that, (laughs) and and perhaps I, I, more like Salacious Crumb than Boba Fett, jumped... (laughs) Jumped to Justin the Fett's side <laughs> and mocking Brian over calling himself an airplane driver, That's a right. jet I was, pilot. I was driving driver because it just sounded utterly moronic. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. And number one, I, I only have vague memories of having somebody make a very slight verbal miscue and then jumping oh, on it and using it as comedic hay for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> So, that doesn't sound like me at no. all. Well, fast forward today. I send Justin and Brian a post, and I was going to put some sort of ass nine headline that you don't, this is the kind of thing that girls send to other girls. This is something that dudes send to dudes. And what it was, it was something I think I found on Hacker News, and it was a an account of an SR-71 pilot talking about how his co-pilot one-upped a uh, Navy pilot flying a Tomcat who was trying to one-up a guy in a Cessna because when you fly airplanes, apparently you can say, hey, ground control, what's my airspeed? And so some guy in a Cessna says, hey, what's my airspeed? And ground control says, oh. is lingo in, in the terminology of like, could you please measure my penis at this moment while I'm in the air? Yeah, pretty much. So the Cessna pilot says, oh, you're going 140 knots. Yeah. So this Navy Tomcat pilot says, hey, what's my airspeed? And they're like, oh, you're going... 540 or 640 knots. It's a pretty good size. Yeah. (laughs) So these guys are in an SR-71, and they're kind of under the radar, literally, but uh, still showing up on the radar. Because they were so high. Well, they were showing up on the radar scope. But anyhow, they ask ground control, hey, what's our airspeed? And they get back 1,940 knots and just to show up the Tomcat. That's like John Holmes fast. That's right. It's like Andrew Maine fast. So it was a very amusing story. It was funny. It's kind of a guy thing. And I'm sure some of the girls who listen to this podcast will find it funny too, but guys talking guy stuff, that's just kind of kind of funny. Anyhow, I sent me, this me, to Brian. Me, Brian, and Andrew all just completely out of reflex high-fived our computer screens. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Dun, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then I Tar-ish. punched a Russian. So, yeah. <laughs> 
So I send this to Brian and Justin. That, the whole point of that story is just I send this to Brian and Justin. And I, I didn't know. I Unbeknownst to Justin or myself, Brian writes back, did you see the byline? <laughs> what? I go back and I look, and this is, you know, SR71. I look at the name. The guy's the first name is Brian, I think. Or I'm like, all right, right, he's got the same. He's got the same first name as you, Brian. How kind very, of a stretch, Brushwood. Come on, yeah, really? how, yeah. How kindergarten of you? <laughs> and then it says Brian Scholes, SR71 driver. Driver. Dun, dun, dun. It said sled in parentheses to explain the sled was an SR71 sled driver. Driver. So apparently pilots, or at least this one, we found the one pilot that calls himself a driver. That's right. And that's the <laughs> one pilot I want to be associated with. Yeah. The longest dong. Still think it sounds moronic and understand this guy was exposed to a lot of high altitude radiation <laughs> and low oxygen. So until we can prove that that guy's an idiot... You're a genius, Brian. That's <laughs> so right, right, right. This is a provisional apology, is what it is. You have taxis <laughs> at any moment. I got you. True. Well, this, True. we're gonna we're gonna prove this shaming or lack thereof by the scientific method. So our best available theory is that you're smart and we're dumb. But that could be superseded at any moment with a better yep. theory. A picture's worth a thousand words the last thing you said to me as you got on your train and chugged out of my life forever. Stubbed out my cigarette with my left toe, knowing that I would never speak to you in the flesh ever again. Any kind of communication would have to be through a nail. Pulled out my iPhone, listened to the Weird Things podcast, and learned that Tabitha Walters, a listener, is a freelance illustrator and designer. Designed by Tabby.com is where I can see her work. Why, I could have her draw up a Christmas card that I could send to you and reignite our passions. The holidays are saved. Designed by Tabby.com. That's Tabby with an I. Yippee! Speaking of airplanes, gentlemen, I have another travel-related topic to discuss with you. It seems that in any given time, we're always going to have something that we're afraid of. There are some people who sort of think these things are manufactured. I don't think that it's so much that as just that being a forward-looking species, we're always worried about what's behind the next corner. Hobgoblins? Could be. Woodgoblins? Le- leprechauns? Sure that. Midgets? Green goblins? Currently, big thing we're afraid of, concerned about, with some cause, is terrorism. In Terror the 90s... Goblins? Yes, they're the worst ones. They're fighting for their goblin rights. Do you remember what we were afraid of in the 90s? What a lot of the books were written about, what they talked about? I know this one. Big fear? I know this one. It was boy bands, and it turns out our worst fear was realized. Yes. Yes, it was, Brian. Justin? Um, I'm going to go ahead and say that we were afraid of other things. Yes, that is correct. Right, <laughs> a lot of other than what you've said. But remember, remember in the '90s, we had all these books and movies coming out about plagues, about super flus, about Outbreak. the idea. Remember the monkey? Oh Outbreak? yeah, Outbreak. Yeah, and then there's the book, The Hot Zone, and then, yeah, Ebola. That's whenever we learned. Michael the name, Crichton Ebola. wrote The Hot Zone. Right? <laughs> yes, but he called it Andromeda Strain and wrote oh, it 20 gosh, years before God. then. But oh, okay. it's okay. Don't worry about it. Right. So we had there was a bunch of books that came out about that, and that was the big fear is we had intercontinental travel started to explode, and we were sending airplanes and building airports in far remote countries. Anytime there was an outbreak, all of a sudden we started to panic about this. They even uh, they even re-released the expanded version of Stephen King's The Stand in in the early nineties. Yeah, yeah, that was something that was on our conscience. And, and there, it's not just a matter of an incident where you and a few people on a bus or something like that are affected by terrorism. This is where somebody from some remote part of the world gets on an airplane, coughing up phlegm, travels to New York City, walks out on the street, infects tons of people, then thousands, then millions. And then you get that map where they show all the little circles getting bigger and bigger across the globe. Yeah. Is that one of those things where like just as international and, and national air travel became cheaper and cheaper, that this was just like, the, the the new kind of boogeyman of, of our era, you know, For, just because that was that was but, a reality. But I would imagine it's the old boogeyman because it's the same thing they feared when they had train travel, right? Spreading the disease all around. 
Sure, sure. That was the reason why we had places such as Ellis Island, where we funneled all of our immigrants in through one point where you could find out who had typhoid or who had whatever diseases you wanted to keep from spreading. And a part of there on Ellis Island, you had infirmaries where people would be quarantined until they were safe to come into the country. And so this is a thing we've had to deal with forever. There was uh, another incident, I don't know if you're aware of this, around 1492, where they had a problem with some immigrants bringing a lot of disease Did to this country. Did something that year? It was, it was kind of a major event. Hmm. The and, great Super Bowl that year. Yes. 1492. Yes. There you go. So it's a fear. It's been a fear. And Did sometimes. The, it, the Redskins win that year? So it seems like this is a thing that for a while we're afraid of, and, and it comes up again, bird flu. Everybody's worried about bird flu, then SARS, which was handled very wonderfully on, on South Park. And these are real things. These are very real things, and they don't just affect dozens or hundreds of people. These could affect millions of people. Right now, there's a cholera outbreak in Haiti that's taken over a 1,000 lives. And there is very, very credible evidence that this was actually brought to Haiti because prior to then there weren't any incidents there of cholera that was actually brought there by United Nations workers who were there to help that country out. Whoopsie. Yeah, yeah. So that's But luckily that's they'd scary. all had their vaccines, right? So nobody got... Well, in, in the case of cholera, I don't think it was something that you're, you're vaccinated for beforehand or if that's something that, that's a procedure. Bummer. Yeah, I don't even know if it is. I can't even tell you if cholera is, a, is bacterial or viral. I can't even spell cholera. Yeah, no. So I think it's a pretty girl's name. Yeah, it is kind of good girl's name, like diarrhea. So <laughs> you ever hear that? You ever hear that? There was a there's a there's an alleged survey that said that when they ask kindergartners or preschoolers to name what they think is a pretty girl's name, they say diarrhea. <laughs> really? Like that's like one of those things that like, like is an odd statistical fact that every year this survey is conducted and every year that shows up. It's the way it's reported. <laughs> it's amusing enough to, to retell it. Indeed. So here's the thing. On the upside, here's the good news. So, well, we'll more bad news. Let's do more bad news. Yeah, good pile it on. We're, we're always it. finding new bugs, new things, new strains of stuff, flesh-eating bacteria. There we go. All of a sudden wipes away part of your limbs and your flesh when doing so. You've got people learning how to engineer and to change bacteriums and to program them and to make them even more dangerous and being able to do the same thing with virus, viri or viruses or whatever the plural form we're going to choose to use here. So it's getting kind of scary. It's getting scary because we've talked about the ability of people having the tools to make these things worse. And there was a lot of scare tactics going around. Not scare. There are people whose job is to keep us safe from these things. And part of doing that is they have to tell us the most scary scenarios possible. Of course, side note, there is a study that just came out and said that the more scary environmental headlines that people put out there about worst case scenarios, the less likely people are to accept them. And it has the opposite effect. And part of the reason why people have recently become disillusioned with some of the global warming movement has been because of these scary headlines that keep coming out. And sometimes these things are just maybe perhaps a little bit over. There was one that came out like today that said tigers are going to be extinct in 10 years. And then what? you read into it. Well, tigers in the wild may be extinct in 20 years. And it's one of the things where the headline said, no, tigers will be extinct, but in actuality, there's a problem where tigers are being poached in the wild. And there's a solution offered by some people just to allow people to farm tigers. And tigers will no more go extinct than chickens would. That would be a really awesome addition to the old McDonald's sauce. Yes. <laughs> so we've got back to the scary side of things is that the possibility that somebody, some rogue engineer, could engineer some biological warfare agent that could just be a super flu, just get rid of some of the weaknesses, give it a longer gestation period, and all of a sudden, we've got an outbreak scenario. It does seem like a very pre-9-11 concern, doesn't it? Like the idea that there's going to be some rogue laboratory, you know, sponsored by some, well, you know, you know near-to-well government that's going to cough on all of us. That was that magical, what, nine-year period between 1992 and 2001 when America really didn't know who to hate? We didn't know who to be afraid of? Yeah, uh, I'll tell you though. If if I have to choose which thing to be more afraid of, I would probably choose to be more afraid of global pandemic. Well, I'm with you, man. Because uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just it's something that we is 
you know, that was a far more pressing concern than, let's say, somebody blowing up a you know backpack full of nails on a bus. Mm-hmm. You know, just you know because that 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 idea was something that was remote and far away. Whereas mm-hmm. for some odd enough reason, you know, somebody injecting a monkey with some sort of crazy flu and letting it out in Sheboygan was uh, was was something that was more well feasible. But but you look at the numbers, right? The the Sheboygan monkey had the opportunity to take out 100,000 people. It's like, what are you going to do? Blind everyone on the bus with your nails? I mean, it's like, look, this is a numbers game. I, I think it, it shows sort of how much we, we whatever's in front of us, the most scary thing we're presently afraid of kind of fills our capacity for fear. Yeah. And, no, definitely. And any of it, what's interesting though is what doesn't get as much attention, you'll still read people talking about these scary scenarios and all the different solutions they've talked about. Right now, the big thing in airports is to try and find out if somebody's smuggling a bomb. In the 90s, there was talk about putting into train stations, subway stations, and airports thermal detectors. So when somebody got on a plane to actually look and see if they're having a temperature, if they're running a fever, because then you would say, okay, this person's liable to be containing some sort of infection. And there was talk about how do you prevent that? And that was a genuine thing. That's something that's still talked about. CDC officials, people who are in that area, they'll tell you this is a real thing we need to be concerned about. It didn't go away, according to them. Now, weirdly, in a public place, I don't know that I hate the idea of the CDC keeping an eye on who looks like they have a fever. I mean, that seems like information. If you're really trying to track the spread of disease, then that seems like an effective way to do it. But the whole like, I'm sorry, sir, you're too hot to get on this plane. That seems a little bit weird. Well, here's the thing. Here's what gets kind of interesting. In an article that's on the latest Weird Things web, <laughs> let me rephrase that. <laughs> the latest Weird Things. Ah, yes, the latest edition of Weird Things. Printed fresh for your entertainment. <laughs> there are some scientists funded in part by Boston University Photonic Center and the U.S. Army Research Laboratory have developed a platform, a system that can actually rapidly detect Ebola and Marburg and other dangerous viruses like that. So basically, it's the sensor is the size of a quarter, and you put a little blood drop on it and could be used in airports. If you have somebody running into temperature, you could do a very, very rapid test. Instead of saying, all right, you've got to go into quarantine. We've got to send this off away here. We could now rapidly test for these things to find out if somebody has that disease. I mean, that's all you need is a tiny knife yeah. to stab them while they're not looking. And look at their liver. Yes. I think I, I'm, I'm totally for this. I think this is great. And I, I'll tell you what, I think that there, I mean, who knows how many times that you get on a plane. Brian, you travel a lot. Andrew, you travel certainly more than I do. Uh, how many of you get sick in these kind of super confined, confined areas? My mom just came back from China and she said that she was just terrified going there and coming back. Uh, between the, you know, the all the hours she had to spend in this plane and considering you know everybody around her, she didn't know where they came from, what kind of areas, what germs just weren't compatible with her system. I, I think th- there's certainly room for us to be more concerned about this. Can I can I shock you a little bit? Like, uh, sure. I mean, I just I just don't worry about it. I mean, it's like, look, whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen. And uh, like, I I shake hands with everyone after the sh- you know during my stage shows after the show stage show easily. 30 to 100, 150 people I shake hands with. And it's like, and I'm like, I should remember to watch these. Then I forget. And (laughs) you ever, you ever, you ever just, just put really push the limit and lick your hand afterward, dude, like looking them right in the face. Like I'm doing stuff on stage. Like I shake all these hands on stage and then I do the nail in the eye trick where I grab a physical nail and stick it right (laughs) in my soft tissue. I mean, it's like a, I stand corrected. (laughs) Brian, you frightened me. I mean, I'm not saying this is a good thing. I'm not saying I'm encouraging anyone to follow my footsteps. I'm just being honest with you guys. Like, apparently, I just don't seem to sweat it. I don't know. Until you bring something home and your kids get sick, then how you feel, Brian? Uh, I'm going to, weirdly, weirdly, I'm like, that's right, kiddo. Y'all toughen up. It's a disease-covered world <laughs> out there. Let's get them over with now. So as they're as they're coughing their last cough, you just look down at them and be like, "Well, I'm not even mad. I'm just impressed. One got through. That's amazing." Wow. <laughs> well, the other the other bit of good news is in their fight against one of man's oldest nemesis, Brian Brush. Is besides this detector, Craig Venter, who was just featured on 60 Minutes Sunday, which you can now watch that online. Ventner is the head of synthetic genomics. 
He is the guy that helps speed up the way in which we were able to identify or uh, look at the human genome. He is big, big into creating artificial life. And one of the things he's talked about is it's fascinating. If you look at the development of how we are or how we fight viruses and we develop vaccines, we went from taking, you know, it took something like 10 years to develop something that could even fight, you know, it took 10 years before we could even sequence HIV. And now we've got things like when we wanted to sequence the SARS virus, that took something like eight weeks. And this rate keeps accelerating. And we're very much in the point where we could look at being able to say, if we find a strange virus within hours, being able to sequence it and hopefully develop an anti-vaccine in roughly the same amount of time. Now, but like an anti-vaccine won't won't a vaccine doesn't help if you already have the disease. If you already have the disease, you're screwed, right? Well, that's where things have sort of changed now. There was a discovery that came out two weeks ago, which fundamentally shifted the way in which we approach how viruses work. And the assumption had been that when you get infected with a virus, once it's in your body, and then once it gets inside of your cells, it's game over. There's nothing you can do. You can't fight it when it's inside the cells. And now scientists have actually found out that certain antibodies will go inside of the cell when the virus infects there. And so now we know, guess what? There might be a way to fight a virus when it's inside of the cells. Wow. So it's amazing times. And so you just heard to hear first people, Andrew Maine says, don't worry about disease anymore. Not at all. We don't even worry. One licked. Cough, lick, lick it up, everybody. Cough, shake Brian's <laughs> hand. Shake those do whatever hands you want. and lick those palms because disease is now over. So quote. <laughs> well, Andrew all right. Maine. Let's 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 little little just between us guys here. All right. Let's bring it in. How many of you Brian, licked your palms recently? When you use a public bathroom, you wash your hands. I do 100% of the time anyone is there watching. <laughs> wow. Justin? Oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll at least give it the uh, the old cursory splash. Maybe not a full lather. So, Brian, you do it for social proof. No, I actually do it. Uh, I do it. Uh, the reason you... I, I I do it certainly when anyone's there for probably for social proof. And, and But, like, there are bathrooms now where you don't have to touch anything. You don't have to touch a single thing. You don't you don't touch you don't touch the 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 pipes, you don't touch the walls, you don't touch the urinal. You, you don't, don't touch your junk. You touch yourself, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. man, I know that's not got diseases. And so it's like, what's the big deal? <laughs> How do you know that your junk doesn't have diseases? Cuz like otherwise it'd be, you know, walking around in a blanket and asking <laughs> for chicken soup. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's sneaking off without me at night. I mean, it's like, <laughs> you got some lozenges. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can touch it. <laughs> There's a whole nother discussion we'd have there, but we don't have time for that. <laughs> the point Brian. is, now, now, I should wash my hands every time I get within five feet of a sink because it's good practice and it reduces the spread of germs. So this is when I, if I were hypothetically not to wash my hands because... I didn't see any need for me personally to wash my hands because it's like I'm not going to get diseases from touching my own stuff. But what I'm really doing is I'm defaulting on the prisoner's dilemma when I do that. And I'm not helping to curb the spread of what disease I may have to other people. And that's the real reason you need to wash your hands. I I not only wash my hands, if it's a door that's got a handle, I grab a paper towel to grab the handle. I'm not a germaphobe. I'm really not. And it really came about when I just thought about it logically one day and and watched enough people flush the toilet and you hear the horrible, horrible sound and smell and just walk, grab the door handle and walk straight out without washing their hands. And you go, man, how much how much disease is spread by people like that? You don't wash their hands and then go handle the door handle that you go touch to open up the bathroom door and then go sit down and pick up your hamburger. But, but at that point, is isn't society just tainted? Like, isn't there, isn't that just beyond the bathroom? Oh, for sure, for sure. But there's a the bathroom is where they're going to come in contact with some of the most noxious that, sort of stuff. That's ground zero. Yeah, if you go town. if you go look at the door handle on a bathroom, if you go look there and you you go try and find out what kind of bacterial cultures you're going to find or yeah. other things, well, it's going to be the, like those 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 toilets. They splash water everywhere. They they yeah. atomize this this soup of disease and just spread it all over the place, splashing in your eye holes. Uh, 
Brian, we can have another conversation about how you're using the toilet. And uh, Brian's playing in it like a bird bath. So door handles, of course, door in the bathroom. But if you walk into a restaurant, if I walk into a fast food restaurant and I have to touch the door handle, I'll often go to the bathroom and go wash my hands. And I know that sounds like I'm being just overtly, overtly cautious about that. But when I started doing that, I got sick less and less. There we go. So, and you talk to anybody who's involved in any sort of pathology will tell you this is, it's a thing we need to do. And so everybody out there. Washing your hands is the most important thing that you could possibly do. And I'm going to quote some statistics that I half remember from a morning news show years ago where they talked about washing their hands. But uh, first of all, uh, even if you don't put your hands under water, you can remove, I believe they said 80 to 90% of the bacteria on your hands just by wiping your hands on a paper towel like that alone will scrub off the vast majority of of the germs also the vast majority of them are like 90 percent of all the germs that are on your hands from your wrists to your fingertips are underneath your fingernails and again i don't know if any of this is true so i'm sure we have some phds out there who listen (laughs) who can tell me how wrong i am but this is this is what i remember watching on the news so this is what your news is reporting as remembered by brian Uh, also if you, if you cuddle a puppy, it cuts down your risk of disease by 20%. It's another helpful public service from your friends at Weird Things. On this very special holiday season, we at Weird Things remind you to treasure what's important in life. Friends, family, and Vincent404. Follow him on Twitter. These little pearls of wisdom pop into your head and grow. An alien curling around your brainstem making you think his thoughts. Vincent 404. Vincent 404. Vincent 404. What scares you the most? You're taking your daughters out through the woods. What's your biggest fear? I mean, outside of a bear attack? Like, like there's different circles, right? There's, first of all, there's the most realistic threats. And those are obviously first and foremost. The idea of being attacked by a bear or of a crazy person or whatever. Those are forefront in my mind. I'm going to say that's where I'm at. Okay, so let's say you're going through a jungle in Southeast Asia. What's your biggest fear? Oh, uh, like uh, uh, being attacked by a man talking in a language I don't understand. All right, Justin? Uh, A jungle in South America? Yeah. Uh, You know, kidnappers, bandits. All right, all right. I, I think those are all valid fears. All valid fears. Sometimes stories come out of jungles come out of places they're just too fantastic to believe wild men which of course sometimes those things turn out to be true dinosaurs are still alive and sometimes we hear about things that are just so frightening stories of cannibals there was a period of time in the 20th century where some academics refused to believe that there were cannibals there were actually tribes that practiced cannibals they just wanted to they were sort of embraced the noble savage myth and they, they just could it not a, it was a myth created by the white man to keep uh this you know the savage reputations of the indigenous people exactly exactly that was that was a genuine thing they thought it was just an invention to sort of belittle these people when it turns out that we've all got cannibals somewhere in our family tree so it's you're not really belittling any particular group over another it's sort of everywhere so you hear these crazy stories what would you say if i told you what's the right way to go about this um What's the most scary, frightening thing you can imagine? Being tortured or watching my children be tortured to death and then eaten in front of me. And then they begin okay. to eat me slowly from my feet up to my <laughs> face. Right. Okay, here's the, uh, let's back up. <laughs> you walk into this forest, I give you a gun. Just you. Don't even worry about your kids. Okay, the okay. kid's already dead. Okay. Whoa. Wow. All right. So that just right. happened. You've got a gun. You go into the forest. There's an animal in the forest. What are you worried about? You hear How a noise. Good, my aim is. Okay. Just and I were walking ahead of you. You hear a rustle. Okay. You hear me scream, a blood curdling scream. And I'm behind, I'm in front of you through some brush. You can't see me. You look over, you see Justin. Like, Justin, what is that? Justin, Justin, what is that? I don't know. <laughs> why don't you go ahead and why don't you go look, Justin? Yeah, Justin. All right, why don't you I'm gonna go. go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go investigate. I'm gonna go investigate it. Rustling, blood curdling scream. All right, 
Do I have a gun? Did you say I had a gun? You had a gun. You tried to fire. Brian hears the gun fire. Okay, so I'm I'm in the bush. Blood curdling scream. That's me, I assume, right? Yeah. I'm out. Yep. You you fire your gun just randomly into the air, Brian. Yeah. And you've got to find your friends. And that's the best way to find friends is to fire guns randomly in the air. Well, you want to go scare whatever's there. That's why, like, Mexican banditos, apparently they're always looking for friends as they drive around <laughs> on their horses. You go forward. You come, you come to the clearing. I'm on the ground. Justin's on the ground. We're not quite dead, but we're in the process of dying. And you look, and you can't see initially any kind of bite mark. It's not like a tiger attacked us. You just seem, you guys look lazier than usual. We're, we're kind of fidgeting. Our eyes are just glassy and staring so into the maybe sky. Maybe a snake bite type thing, maybe? Could be, yeah. I'm going to go with snake bite or spider bite. Okay. And then I'm going to try to shoot so, the spider. So, so wait, hold on. So, so, that's, so that's your thing? Is you look upon your dying friends as we are killed by some sort of uh, odd means. You look to the heavens and say, I say spider bite, spider bite. <laughs> yes. I'm calling spider bite. And then you just walk back to the, you know, hut or By the way, that's how I know when I've been doing the Weird Things things podcast <laughs> too long is when something genuinely horrific happens to my life and I just look to the heavens and I say, Andrew, I'm pretty sure it's this. Yeah. AI? Is it an AI? Singularity. <laughs> uh, all right, no, but seriously, so what, what do you do? We're, we're screaming. I mean, what we're, can we're I clutching. do? What can I do? Yeah, yeah I, I guess I can ask. I'm one trying to get us to help. Memory. I don't know. Well, well, again, I'm, I, Brian, you got to identify what your threat is. So what do you, what you, you look and you see snake, you say snake, but you look on our bodies, the snake bites on our neck. So you have bites on your necks and you're dying. Yes. Are you asking if I'll suck out the venom? I mean, can no, you No, I'm asking, what is your instinct? What do you want to do? Okay. If, if you thought a tiger was out there, maybe you're going to get low to the ground, back up against a rock, pull out your gun, and then look for anything to come towards you and shoot at it. Now you look and you see snake bites, but these snake bites are on our neck, Brian, our necks. I mean, I, I, what can I do? I defend, I defend the camp. I tell you, I set up a campsite and I say. Right there, just right there where the, we both were taken down. I mean, I, I, I can't drag you. There's too many. There's too many of you. Or I guess I could run. Those are my choices. I either set up a campsite and defend you or I run trying to find somebody to suck out the venom. Right. So where's the threat coming from? From from Justin, Robert Young and Andrew Maine, as far right. as I can tell. All right. Now, Brian, I want you to pretend this is one of those Encyclopedia Brown mysteries. I see. This is okay. a closed room mystery. How many snake bites have you heard about on the neck? I mean, I I don't know to be honest. I, Here's the kid. Okay, there's go. no there's no like branches. There's no branches within twenty feet around. We're in a clearing. But uh, and you have two bites or just one? I have a bite. Here? Justin has a bite. Bite between us. Bite each. One. But, but like, does the bite have two fang marks? Yeah, two fang marks. Right. Uh, Maybe Justin got bit in the face. Wow! Right in the face. Right in the face. Now I have. Three noses. <laughs> so, man, I got you, nothing. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you, of course, but I'm guessing you guys are incoherent. You're babbling nonsensically. Hold on, my yo, Brian, ask me. Uh, Justin, Justin, what bit you? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew, Andrew, <laughs> what bit Justin? God, I'm a bitch. Scare school sucks. <laughs> well, clearly, clearly, you start raving mad at this point. So it's very difficult for me to get anywhere. Uh, I mean, I but I'm armed. But it's like it looks like it wasn't any big thing. It looks like something small. Uh, describe my surroundings around me. What what's around me? It's jungle. It's jungle. But you're in a clearing where there's. Not a tree for 20 feet on either side. So yes. it's a 40-foot clearing. Okay. Man. Okay. So we walked into a clearing, and we're, our bodies are in the middle of the clearing, and we're on the ground, unconscious, just getting ready to get taken into the arms of Morpheus forever. Right. Okay. So so now I'm all like, guys, guys, shh, shh, stop, stop raving. Seriously, shh, shh. I'm trying to hear This is your taking you a while. I mean, I, I, I don't know. 
I don't hear anything. I don't see. Well, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. Sorry, guys. Okay. You're going right. to die, right. and I won't even know who it was. Now, here's <laughs> the next thing. All right, Brian. I'm going to say you've got adrenaline in your body. You've got heightened reflexes. You've got basically schwood spidey sense. Good. I got schwoody sense. Okay. You don't know what. All you see is a movement out of the corner of your eye. Big movement okay. or small movement? Yeah, just a movement, Brian. Right. Okay, just a movement, just a flicker, just something not out of the ordinary coming at you. You duck. Okay? You duck. For some reason, you decide to duck. Right. And you feel something just trail across your neck. Okay? And go to the other side. Is that a vampire bat? Right? You don't know yet. You turn, you look, and you see nothing. But you see, like, the ground skitter. And there's nothing there. Well, I mean, okay. So can I can I can I walk towards it? I I, I shine a flashlight over that way. You can you can you it. can walk towards it if you want. No, I'm totally gonna. And I'm gonna stomp my feet down because I'm hoping it's a bat or something. You just see a little rustling in the in the bushes and nothing. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I mean, I don't. Maybe I fire off a few more rounds to see if it scares it. Uh, you fire <laughs> some rounds and nothing happens. Now you you're going through your head now you're reconstructing this you're like this this came from above you this came from high up yeah and then when you looked to your left you saw some leaves got disturbed go on oh wait did somebody throw something at me no okay <laughs> so definitely whatever it was flew I I, I I rolled that out from the ground no no that wasn't that. <laughs> so I, I don't know what else it could be. So it's it's in the bushes, whatever it is. Should I try and flush it out? I'm going to try and flush it out. I'm going to march over to it and kind of stomp my feet around. It's gone now. Ugh. Guys, I'm sorry. It, it, I made that sound gonna, also. You're going yeah. like, to die. Ugh. All right, Brian, you ready for this? Do you yeah, want any, any, any guesses at what this was? I'm gonna Final say, guesses. Final guesses. Final guesses, I will say something bigger than my fist, smaller than my uh than than both my feet put together, which is a weird way to measure stuff. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? I was gonna try to I was trying to think of what other part of my body, like I don't know, my quadriceps, right? So um I'm gonna say <laughs> some some item, some some jumping creature that bit people. What animal are you most afraid of? Uh, the mosquito. All right. I mean, literally, I mean, if, if you, one was in front of you, you know, I'm not saying you're going to freak like a little girl, but you're like, uh, I mean, rats are kind of scary. Yeah, but you, all right. But which, which animal, I mean, really, if, if I asked you a list of animals, what animal do you put on top? The one that disturbs you the most? I mean, I I already said snake, but it doesn't sound like a snake. So I got nothing. Why do you say it doesn't sound like a snake, Brian? Well, because I kept saying snake, and you're like, snakes, you only crazy people think snakes bite necks. Well, we told you that it bit you in the neck, and I didn't say anything about negating that it was a snake. I just explained that it was a snake bite That's on the true. neck. And apparently snakes don't bite necks very often. Well, it's generally when your neck is five and a half feet off the ground. Yeah, they don't jump up and go for the neck. But but it sounds to me like it was, was it a snake? Brian... Not just any snake. Imagine a snake that could fly. There's a flying snake. I've seen like the videos on National Geographic where they're all slow motion like. like. Okay. Now we say fly. We'll just say fly like if you like accept. A squirrel. Well, and, and, and maybe like the Wright Brothers. I mean, how long was the original Wright Brothers flight? Something like 109 feet or something. But like they'll they'll jump, they'll launch themselves off of a branch and they'll flatten out their snake body and they'll they'll flutter and they'll stay like, I mean, not a long time, but a pretty long time. All right. You want to know how far these snakes can fly? They've actually been able to measure this. They actually built a tower, put these snakes on them. Yeah, the snake see, race. They, and they did the slow motion to see what happened. It's not just a matter of this thing launching itself. It's actually undulating in the air, trying to act as if it were a airfoil, a form of powered flight, not just gliding. Okay, is it you know flying squirrels tend to just glide like a bunch of jerks. Bats use powered flight. 
But there is, if you all of a sudden can apply some sort of muscle energy to flight and it helps you stay aloft longer than simply just gliding, that's arguably a form of flight. Would you agree? Yeah, totally. And in fact, if you saw the the first human-powered ornithopter, that's what I'm imagining, the whole, that undulation that kept it afloat. So these suckers, these snakes... Chrysopelia paradisi, one of five related species of tree-dwelling snakes from Southeast Asia. When they leap, it's not a nosedive, it's a glide. They can fly up to 79 feet. Wow. What? 79 feet. Okay. So they flatten themselves as they launch. They undulate side to side. And they move between like fast, like 26, 33 feet per second. Okay, so it's not just it's not just a simple glide. This is a somewhat powered glide. Now, it's not sustainable flight where they're going to keep flying in the air. But this is this is more than just try to take a snake, try to build a glider that goes 79 feet. It's like have a contest. Justin and Andrew, you guys throw a snake and then this (laughs) guy like launches himself and kind of flies. You're not You can't throw a snake that far. Yeah. So as far as uh, how far this was, I mean, this is. This the the flight thing. The first Wright brothers flight was something like a thousand feet. But if you adjust the size of the snake, eighty feet. We'll just call it a hundred feet because I'm sure it could go a hundred feet if it wants to. A snake that can launch from a tree and go a hundred feet into the air to hit something. That is the pinnacle of terror. Yes. You want to know what's terrible? Childhood hunger. Kids starving all over the globe. Want to know the opposite of that? Josh Hilp! Head on over to twitter.com slash J-O-S-H-H-I-L-P and uh, follow Josh Hilp. He's a fan of the show and he's got his own little podcast called Chaos Buffering, which I'm going to check out as soon as I'm done recording this. I don't know about you. Lend a helping hand. Follow Josh Hilp on Twitter. Justin. Yes. You like conspiracies, government conspiracies. Gosh darn it, do I. Not even the theories. You actually like the conspiracies. You would love for there love... to be more conspiracies. Oh my God, would right I? Now. No, really, like my, my greatest thing, and really this is my favorite thing about doing the Weird Things TV, the YouTube series, which by the way, everybody, youtube.com slash Weird Things TV, subscribe right now, um, Yeah, is, is when you really look, you know, every week we do three stories and to find all these conspiracies and just every ins and outs. And if, you know, why people would do it, how it would go along. I mean, our government would be so much more efficient if we were able to carry out half the conspiracies that we talk oh, about sure. them, them, them executing. I, I, I aspire for them to be that competent and devious. A few years ago, it turned out that the Israelis were apparently looking into developing something that could target people who were of not having the same genetic makeup as citizens of Israel. What? Wow. Now that became very, very complicated because one of the things I find out is that genetically there's, there's no Israeli more, gene. No, but no, well, there, there are, there are gene lines for different, different, uh, different groups of Jews that can absolutely trace your lineage. And that's, there was a, a group of people in Ethiopia who always said that they were, they were Jewish and, People said, well, no, you're, you don't exactly look Jewish. They looked at their genes and, oh, guess what? They actually were a descendant of a line from way, way back in the day. So it's weird, but plausible. So that came to light. Do you, Justin, yeah. do you think, yes or no, do you think that somewhere in the United States, in some laboratory, some facility that maybe we have developed something that we shouldn't, some biological, some sort of superflu? You'll see every once in a while, there's some leak somewhere and, and, you know, you'll get the big story of like, you know, the secret plans for the U.S. to invade China. And, and it's always, you know, it always kind of comes out that when you have as big of a staff as you have in, in, in the Pentagon, that if you're going to employ these mines and you're going to have these logistical engines running, of course, we want every possible contingency planned for. So in that vein, I would assume, yes. Somewhere in in the annals of our uh, massive defense system, there is at least a blueprint on theoretically how to create these things, if not working prototypes of these trains. Right, Brian. I, especially with 
those very few, very minor qualifiers that Justin put in there, <laughs> then yes, I would agree. I would agree with this position. There's got to be at least a plan, or at least they're talking about. It. I mean, hell, no, we've already I'll, done. We've already done it, where we took existing strains of smallpox and gave them to the indigenous peoples of our fair continent. I mean, it's like, why wouldn't they want to kind of punch that up a bit? You're off in the middle of Utah. You go do your show, All right. and it, it's it's reasonably well received. I'm big in Utah. After the show, gentleman walks up to you. Says, "Brian, I'm a I'm a big fan of yours. Big, big, huge fan." I want to show you something really special. And he just looks at you for a moment. It's a little bit awkward. Something you won't forget. You're kind of <laughs> awkward like it is right now. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're you're open to it. You've got nothing to do. The internet connection sucks at the hotel. So, all right, <laughs> after, what's up? So after the show, some dude shows up. He's like, I got something special to show you. And I'm, I look at my computer. I'm like, well, I got no internet. What do you got? He says, Brian, I saw you hug and shake hands and kiss all those people. I know that you really don't really have a fear of anything rational. So right. come with me. And he's got a really hot girl with him that's a very brainy, attractive woman. So he looks somewhat normal. Go on. So you, you get into his car. He says, all right. Uh, I need you to put on this blindfold. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing weird about any of this. Nothing weird about this. This is how it goes after all my shows, by the way. But you've talked to him online before. All right, it's Bill Meeks. We'll use Bill's name, all right? It's Bill Meeks, oh, here okay? We go. Okay, well, now so, all of a sudden it's like, yes, he will actively infect me with SARS, and I'll be happy to take it. Bill all right, there you go. Guy. So he drives you out in the Utah in the middle of nowhere. All of a sudden, you, you're you going for about an hour. He's talking, interesting conversation. He explains that he's a biologist, that he works for a special laboratory. He's allowed to take people there, but he can't tell you where the location is. So after about an hour's drive into the desert, you hear a fence open up. You hear him name, saying his name to some people. You get out of the car. He walks you into a building, a small little building. You take off the blindfold. You step into an elevator. He says, all right, Brian, this is really cool. You walk into the elevator, and there's buttons that go down to a level 100. But you know you're not in a tall building. This is a building that goes underground. Negative 100. They put a minus sign. Inside. Yeah. Press the button. He takes you all the way down. You walk out there. Some people do a security check on you. He says, Brian, here's the deal. So this whole scenario is me going down with Bill Meeks and I get a disease. No. Sorry, go ahead. That's between you and Bill. So <laughs> he says, Brian, I'm going to show you some cool, can't tell anybody. Puts you in a suit. You walk into another room and there are a bunch of vials. It's Brian, that's Ebola. That's influenza over there. This is SARS. This is something you haven't even heard of like, before. I feel like I just got introduced at a meeting of the Legion of Doom. <laughs> like, Brian, <laughs> meet the Legion of Disease. Ebola. SARS. And you, and you say that to him, and he just gives you the sharp look. He's, Brian, we're trying to solve these problems. This thing over here only kills midgets. <laughs> hmm. You're like, wow, why would you have that? The tiniest killer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Brian, we've got to be prepared for these things. Now, check this vial out over here. What's that? Superflu. I made it. Okay. Homebrew. All right. So Incubation period, 72 hours after that, drop dead, 99.9%. I got to imagine that whatever scientific process this was a part of that cooked up this super flu could probably also be a scientific process that also cooks up some kick-ass you know, defenses against this kind of thing, right? How are we going to defend <laughs> against super flu unless we get our hands on some? Well, he shows, hey, another room, we've got, we've got a cure. You're like, oh, that's awesome. He says, yeah, we can only make a little bit, though. <laughs> yeah, but enough for, like, me and Bill, right? He says, hey, I'm a fan. I'll give it to you. Yeah, okay, well, then, then this is cool. I don't see what the problem is. Justin? Oh, God. I think it's, it's super sweet. I mean, I guess is, is, is the question whether or not we approve the fact that Bill Meeks is down there tinkering theoretically with the lives of society? Yes. Then... Yes, I actually kind of do have a problem with him. Who's he working for? It's a government. It's a government facility. Uh, so what do you do? <laughs> I like the way yeah. the fact they said government facility. It's unclear whether that's a plus or a minus in Justin's no, book. No, 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 no. Here's as much as I think Bill Meeks is an awesome guy in this particular scenario. He's not exactly showing level-headed security judgment. If he's like, you know, the the threshold to bring somebody down to fondle the super flu is scam school's awesome <laughs> remember that yeah, episode where you hold figured on. out how to brilliant. get out of the great idea we're gonna have the handcuffs so you can get out of the handcuffs here touch this influenza that i cooked up no the, way on the okay, government's look, now dime. you've now you've pushed me to the edge and now it's like not only am i in favor of this i'm in favor of, i think we found our first test subject we're done <laughs> 
Do you tell <laughs> You're anybody? You're gonna spray Bill super Meeks. blue in my face. Bill Meeks, I'm not saying anything, but I'm winking right now. You can't see it. I'm winking and I'm pointing. You can guess which direction. <laughs> do you do you tell anybody? Well, no, I'm scared to the guy's got the super flu. <laughs> I, I don't mean right there, Brian. I don't mean you whip out your cell phone and try and make a call a hundred stories underground. You know what <laughs> I he do? Does try, he does try to tweet. <laughs> and it gets you saved to draft. You know what I do is I wait for the next Weird Things podcast, and I propose a scenario <laughs> to you guys, and I ask how you react, react, and then I say, the twist, this actually happened, and Bill Meeks actually has developed a super flu. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill Meeks has thrown the vial in both of your rooms. Now Justin and I start coughing. And Brian laughs maniacally. <laughs> Antidote to the poison you just drank. <laughs> So and, and fade to black on the final episode of Weird Things the Podcast. So Brian, you tell the world. I, I I'd be too terrified. Anyone who's got that kind of connected ability to create a super flu probably has the whole world by the balls. And I don't want to I don't want to test that. I I tell my family, and then we buy lots of guns and masks. Justin? But they're Halloween masks because we can't afford Yeah, them. wait, hold on, wait a minute. So seriously, like that that scares you? Like the fact that this thing exists, but what we no, both no, did you, went did, over, did, did what we both went over and said is definitely happening. Like the fact that you get physical proof and, and you know somebody who happened to be working on it, right. that freaks you out to the point where you have to arm up, you have to tool up and get your your, your precious little daughter's gas masks. I said Halloween masks, but the, the point okay. is the same. So really, so the just the fact that, that you've touched it. Freaks you out enough no, to no, the point where you need, you need to get, get your apocalypse on. I want on. to be a whistleblower on this thing. Yes. If they're connected enough that they have an underground layer with a super flu to destroy all of us, no, I'm not going to go publicly say, hey, guess what I want to be is target number one. <laughs> I mean, if you were going to talk about espionage, though, that's, that's a pretty high price espionage thing. You can so, sell out to the Russians. So, Justin, you you tell the world. Um, painted in a corner, bro. You call me a chicken. Wait, what? No, what's your? No, no, no. Here's 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 what I mean. I think there's a lot of ways that you can use this kind of leverage. Uh, and and probably the Guess cheapest. Who? Turns out there never was a Bill Meeks. You get home, you try to call Bill Meeks, and need no none of your calls returned. So then, what would it matter? Like I, either either I know that this facility is there. Right. Yeah, but you and, don't remember how to get there. You had a blindfold on. But all right. So then, what's the point of me telling anybody? I mean, what? I'll just be. I'll just be like like that crazy coot. It'd be like that that X Files where like you know the super secret agents are actually Alex Trebek and and uh, Jesse the Body Ventura because no one would believe them. Is that actually an X Files episode? It was. What are you at with this one, I mean? Oh, I would use the same solution we've used in other really complicated moral or survival situations. I would run to family members. I'd go to my father. <laughs> I'd go to my brother. I have a brother's an FBI agent. I'd be, I'd be like, hey, uh, I got a question for you. <laughs> I just love explaining that to him. So I was in a laboratory, a secret government <laughs> laboratory in the middle of the desert. I don't know where it was. And uh, some guy showed me a vial claimed it was the super flu that could wipe out the entire population. This could cost Bill Meeks his life. He could just disappear for, for letting that secret out, for, for trusting you down there to show you something that is unfathomably uh, interesting for our modern concept of biological warfare. He took that chance for you, and you're going to sell him up the river that quick. Absolutely. You want to know why, Justin? Why? If these people are willing to assassinate Bill Meeks over this. I don't think they have the moral authority or integrity to be responsible for this thing. If that's their procedure, uh, Bill screwed up. We got to shoot Bill. What are they up to in the first place? <laughs> what if the secret is that important? Maybe it's, it's something that the picture is so big we can't get it in focus. We put him in that secret prison in Arizona that no... We don't have a procedure for that. Uh, I don't know. I don't... I don't uh... I don't want to, I mean, he, told, he, went out, he went out on a limb to show you something. He gave you a beautiful gift, although dangerous. It was, it was like, it was like the flower in Little Shop of Horrors. 1939, Justin and Brian are invited to a Christmas party at Hitler's. <laughs> let, right. let me show you my, my plans for England and the rest of Europe. 
He's our friend. He's a fan of our broadcast. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, young Hitler. I may have got my dates wrong on that. I don't know. I had a nightmare, and it's it's not really that interesting, but basically it was it was some sort of super flu zombie scenario, and the whole world went to hell. And obviously, I assumed that I would be one of the survivors, which statistically speaking, of course, I would not. And but, you assumed that it was Justin Robert Young's fault, which statistically speaking was be very likely. Very true. Very true. I, uh, I, I, if, if you imagine it, we've talked about this before, what would you do? What would happen? And we talked about how we would try to survive and, and I'll tell you what happened And my subconscious told me what people would be doing was it was like a big party for people. They're all people getting it were, on. They're like, what's people the were, point? people were jet skiing, breaking them all, stealing motorcycles. They're just partying like crazy. And what was, and what was I doing? Crying. Freaking the freak out. Yes, I was running around yelling at people, telling them, like, no, people, you got to take this seriously. Seriously, come on, guys. In other words, your nightmare was that you lived in an entire world of Justin Robert Youngs and Brian Brushwoods running around. And kind of that I was the killjoy, that I'm the guy running around telling everybody they got to take it seriously. I'm the guy that's trying to kill everybody's fun because the world ended. That was my nightmare. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't worry, man. We're going to get right on it. Yes. Bong it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. I, what's funny is I was thinking like, is he skiing? Is he water skiing? Is he doing a hit? Whippets. He's doing whippets. <laughs> Either. It's actually both. It was a bong hit topped off with a whippet. It's called a bong it. Uh, yeah. No, that actually seems shockingly accurate as to what will happen when the world eventually <laughs> falls apart, Andrew. I, I apologize for being the killjoy, ladies and gentlemen. That is probably true what will happen. <laughs> I apologize announce. Well, you know, the good news is that everyone's going to be high and drunk enough that when, you know, whatever the flu or zombie or, you know, AI, you know, comes to round everybody up, that at least they'll be docile enough. You'll be the only one who's covered under, uh, you know, a bunch of old leaves waiting for everybody to pass by because you saw it coming. <laughs> hey. Guys, I got an idea. We come up with a lot of crazy ideas for things for people to read or watch on this show. We do indeed. Yes. And most of them are borrowed. Like, let's face it, we're not all that creative. Most of what we think that is awesome was thought up by way smarter people than we ever will be. Oh, for sure. But we steal their knowledge through the gift of the printed word. (laughs) Yes. Like 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 so many zombies eating the brains of others. Like a Prometheus escaping (laughs) from the mountains of the gods. We're just like, we're just shallow middlemen here. People should steal the yes. knowledge straight from the sources where we stole it to begin with. So what we're going to do, got holiday season coming up. Maybe you want to tell your family members something cool to get you. Maybe you want to buy something cool for your friends. And you're like, hey, I wonder what Brian, Justin, and Andrew think. Well, I wonder what Brian thinks because Andrew and Justin died in that scenario because Brian couldn't figure out it was a stupid <laughs> snake. If he'd figured it out, maybe he could have got it, take them back to civilization, save their lives. But he didn't. But anyhow. He shouldn't have sat there thinking about guessing what it was. He should have just gotten to sucking that venom out. That's right. Just plant your lips on my neck and Justin's face and just suck, suck, suck. From now on, any (laughs) scenario where either of you get hurt, I'm immediately going to start necking with you. That's going to be clearly (laughs) the way to make things right. Done done. It's also going to account for most hellos. Yeah. So why don't we put together lists of things we recommend, books, DVDs, etc. And why don't we put it up on that site, blurbtastic.com. What's that you say, Andrew? <laughs> Blurbtastic, Justin. It's a site we created for all of you to make it very easy to recommend things to your friends, the things you like. Do you see a movie, think it's pretty cool, want to do a quick review? You go to blurbtastic.com and you talk about it. You can use Twitter to send it out to your friends via Twitter. We save it for you at Blurbtastic. You can go back, edit your review, make it a little bit more verbose, shall we say. Provide links, Mm -hmm. easy links for people to find this stuff on Amazon. If you want to recommend stuff to a large group of people or any of your friends, etc., and you have an Amazon associate code, just type that in there. And anytime somebody clicks on your link and buys something on Amazon, you'll get the points. Yeah, not only that, but you can also find out what some of your favorite web personalities, including Tom Merritt, Becky Worley, Sarah Lane, and Daisy Whitney, uh, what, what they like as well. Including that Brian Brushwood character. He's got it on, too. We need to find out if he's recommended a good How to Treat a Snake Bite book. <laughs> I will next uh, week. Yeah. 
So, but we're gonna have we're gonna have our own list up uh, for for weird things, right? Yeah, we'll put up a weird things list of things we think are cool, which you can check out on Blurbtastic. And if you want to create your own, create your own list too. But that'll be available at blurbtastic.com. It's on the internet. I have only one way to describe. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's been weird. Scenario. Weird things mail at gmail.com.